All right, welcome to Around the NFL. Dan Hansis here uh, with Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler remotely. This is obviously our first time uh, connecting with you guys since uh, the horrible events of Monday night involving DeMar Hamlin. And we um, just wanted to talk to you and talk with the audience about it. And uh, we're going to have the great Cameron Wolf of NFL Network on in just a bit, who's uh, at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, uh, getting the latest from him and his vibes of what it's like to be this close to a story of this magnitude. Greggy uh, and Mark, I'll start with you, Greg. Uh, this has been obviously one of those stories that you never forget, and we, we've all been tracking it uh, minute by minute, hoping for positive updates about DeMar. Um, how you doing, bud? Yeah, it's... It's something that when we all watched it, I think everyone recognized immediately that never seen anything like this on a football field, that it was a life and death situation and any sort of precedent that you saw of how teams were handling it, how the NFL is going to end up ham- handling it and everything is is different because DeMar Hamlin's you know, a young man fighting for his life. And we've been waiting you know, t- to do this podcast Partly hoping, you know, seeing what the news is going to be. And uh, it is encouraging. As we were about to start taping, the bill sent out a a release that said, DeMar remains in the ICU in critical condition with signs of improvement noted yesterday and overnight. And yeah, we'll get into that with with Cameron Wolf, who has more details and everything. But I do feel like when it comes to his health, and that's just been the focus here, like we're in a better place uh, than we were Monday night. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a positive uh, situation from a day ago. And I think that, you know, everything just was put on hold. And my my feeling watching it um, was so surreal. And I, I, you know, I had thought back even sort of as it was unfolding. And you could tell that it was just the length of time that they were on the field um, attending to him that I, you're starting to think to yourself, this is unprecedented. I've never watched uh, anything like this happen in football. I've been watching football since 1984, and it just stood out as something completely different, where the game um, just faded into the complete background, into the ether. And, uh, you know, the stuff that stood out to me was we have an idea of who, like, Josh Allen is, right? Like, he's this superstar athlete who does things that um, the human body just doesn't typically do. And then you're watching the other side of Josh Allen, where, like, the look on his face, that just is something that will stick with me, just the look on his face. And, like, you're realizing, wait a minute, these guys, um, they live together, they eat together, they spend all their time together, they know each other's personalities so well. They're, They're brothers, they love each other, and just, like, the feeling of players watching that happen to another player probably just obviously dug so deep into their own internal world of what it means to go put your body on the line each day. And so I, if anything, the thing I think that's come out of it for me is just seeing like the community of NFL players um, band together in such a way that is kind of rare. And like just the way the coaches handled it. I mean, it was just um, a very human event and I thought it was handled by the both teams in the most um, humane way possible. And I thought that was the most encouraging thing about it. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought that up about Josh Allen because I was going to do the same thing, Mark. Like when they came back from uh, the break when it first happened on the on the tackle of T. Higgins and you saw Josh Allen with his kind of hands over his mouth, uh, obviously in a state of shock. We didn't know at the time, but I think obviously that was the moment when the CPR was going on and, and all the life-saving um, 
medical techniques were uh, being used to help DeMar Hamlin. And uh, <clears throat> that stuck with me. That will always stick with me. And, and the NFL, I think part of what made it, you know, so shocking is the NFL doesn't stop. The NFL does not stop. We just went through a, a global pandemic um, where, you know, countless lives were lost and impacted and the NFL found a way to keep going. Um, you know, you go back for those of us that are older, you remember 9-11 and how the NFL, that stopped the NFL for a week um, and they had to recalibrate some things. And that's the only other time where just the action stopped and you could feel it as we've covered the league now. Um, all of us have been with it, with the company for well over a decade. Like uh, the way um, that everything halted uh, this week, whether it was media availability, team practices, other kind of league announcements like uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame's um, uh, announcements about the upcoming uh, vote uh, for Canton, everything kind of just disappeared, and it just uh, and the league went into lockdown mode. And that that in in itself, as someone who's covered the league for a long time, it just it hammered home how surreal everything was, and it all came out of Greggy. Bills versus Bengals, <laughs> this like Titanic matchup, the matchup of the year with everyone watching. It did remind me of one of my earliest sports fans, sport fan memories as being a, um, a nine-year-old kid watching uh, the 1989 World Series uh, between the A's and, and Giants. And just in the um, irony of all ironies, uh, the earthquake that shocked the central coast of California and killed a lot of people, injured a lot of people, and that shut down the World Series. All eyes were on the World Series that year when this mega event happened. And similarly here, um, everyone was watching this game in a prime time between two of the best teams in football, and it just made it all the more surreal. Yeah, you, you appreciate um, the medical responders as we, as we tape this Wednesday. I think the NFL teams are keeping DeMar in their minds, and you can hear that in their press conferences, but they're also starting the process of moving forward with their week. Teams are practicing. It's on Wednesday. Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach, uh, spoke for the first time, and, and that's why that the medical responders were, were first on my mind. He, he spoke really emotionally and um, well, just about his gratitude for them, how prepared they were and how they've given DeMar Hamlin like um, the best possible chance um, to, to get through this and that the positive signs that we're seeing now are all, all started there, like in the heat of battle. And he, he also spoke uh, about Sean McDermott and, and his leadership in that moment and i think that was telling that you know he said he learned who, who sean mcdermott really was and listening to zach taylor i really appreciated the way he spoke about it so clearly uh and openly today and and we do have some of those comments uh, about mcdermott where he, he revealed a little more like how everything went down um when hamlin first collapsed when i got over there uh the first thing he said was i need to be at the hospital tomorrow and i shouldn't be coaching this game and so that to me provides all the clarity because there were, there was no uh, unprecedented is the word that gets thrown out a lot about this situation because that's what it is. Uh, but in that moment, he really uh, showed who he was that that all his focus was just on Demar and being there for him, and being there for his family at the hospital, 
and and at that point, um, I think everybody everything trended in the, in the direction it needed to trend, and the right decisions were made there. But um, again, just just uh, the way that I, I really felt Sean McDermott led in that moment for his players. He was there for his players. He, he processed the right way, which is incredibly difficult, and uh, and really helped us get to the the solution that we needed to get to. Well, I mean, you'd think also even before this incident that w- what the Bills have been through this this season where they had that situation where they, you know, couldn't play at home. They were snowed out. They were in Detroit for two weeks. And like that takes leadership. But this was next level. And I, I you know, we had a chance to talk to McDermott um, early in his career before the Bills became what they were. And I think we all we kind of all right away felt the connection to him and liked him because he just was um, a real dude. And I I can only imagine that, like, if you're a Bills player, the way you feel about there's coaches all over the league where like players aren't connected to him. Sean McDermott's completely different and in this situation where you have to make a choice one way or another. Um, and he handled it so perfectly and it was so organically and it came from who he was. And it tells me a lot about this Bills team. And I, I think that, you know, my hope for them, I'm sure it's going to be such a struggle and so odd to have to go play after all this. But um, if anything, like what we know about the Buffalo Bills is that it's, it's probably brought them together in a way that few other teams could um, say they've experienced. Yeah, and it's that is the kind of other the football story side of this as well. It's like what happens next, and we're gonna obviously what we do. We cover the league. You, everyone that listens to the show knows uh, Thursday is our uh, preview episode, and it's just like we don't know yet. Nobody really knows because this is unprecedented. Just like uh, when everything went down on Monday night and there was confusion about is the game restarting? Like what's next? The the 75,000 people in that is building not knowing uh, what was going on. Everything is, this is uncharted territory. So um, it is going to be interesting to see how the NFL figures out um, in terms of the standings and what, how this impacts maybe the playoffs and the scheduling uh, but all of that obviously remains on the back burner and we, we find out and wait to find out and hopefully get good news uh, about DeMar Hamlin. And you just wonder how the NFL will go about um, figuring out how to take the next step while also monitoring what's a, obviously still a very fluid situation um, at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Yeah, it, it's been interesting to hear a couple of the ex-players talk about the media, just how the next snap of football is just going to be heavy, you know? Yeah. They, I, so, I mean, the whole thing was so surreal on Monday night. I, I go through my, my routine throughout the day, Monday in terms of writing the power rankings column. And then I'm downstairs and I'm alone and I'm wrapping up power rankings as I'm watching the first quarter of Monday night football business as usual. It just happened to be the biggest game of the year. And, you know, when this went down and immediately it just obviously felt different and was scary and you all you get thrown out of the football side of it. I just I went upstairs and I had my iPad and I called my wife over. My kids were sitting on the couch, luckily not watching the game um, and showed it to her and like, you know, just like see her reaction and, and you know, the the outpouring, obviously, of concern and, and support has been uh uh, pretty amazing, but again, surreal because we're we're in, especially us, what we do, we're in this bubble, this NFL bubble, and we're just rolling through another long season. And and for this to happen in week 17, uh, it's been so jarring, like mentally. Um, and obviously, you can't even imagine where the with the players and you know, the Bengals are preparing to play. And obviously, T. Higgins involved directly with the play has been um, going through some things. Um, 
but what the Bills? I mean, the Bills, if, if they're if the week's on a schedule, they have to play football. So it's man, 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 man. This has been crazy. And I hope this guy's okay. I think we're all, you know, obviously speak for everybody on that. This we need a good outcome on this one. It's like uh um, unfortunately like is a life and death situation which obviously is bigger than football and like we've we've experienced a life and death situation with our great friend Chris and th- this is like a professional thing but it does have you step back in the moment I guess and just kind of realize like what matters and and some of the um videos of Demar Hamlin uh, talking about like cherishing life and learning about Demar Hamlin actually has been a positive about this. And we'll talk about that with, with Cameron Wolf. Uh, but just like that in the moment to, I don't know, th- think about what, what all matters here. And suddenly a lot of things don't seem as important, like the Seahawks, um, you know, having to play earlier in the day than the lions when the lions might be eliminated sometimes somehow, you know, suddenly feels like a very like right. asinine thing to be arguing about. I think we're all like forever impacted, obviously, by um, Chris and 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 how his life was cut short in such a tragic and unfair way, and it did it did summon memories of that for me also, uh, just because in addition to how sad that ending was, the fact that it happened Super Bowl weekend and how surreal that was, and even to the point of us doing. Instead of a Super Bowl recap show, we did an episode just talking about Chris two days after he passed. Um, again, like the real world and life um, all of a sudden, like showing how small all this other stuff is. Uh, man. Okay. You know, we were going to do that Monday night recap with, with Nick. I was texting. He, as you guys know, he was going to go gonna go to that game, ended up not, not going because he thought it was going to be cold and then he got called called upon so we'll we'll hopefully have nick on later this this uh season for a a bengals playoff game which will will have a different feel and hopefully be a great celebration absolutely the whole season has a different uh feel now and uh now let's uh without further ado we did speak with nfl network's cameron wolf who's been boots on the ground in cincinnati since uh this went down uh greg and i had this conversation um uh with cameron so um listen in and um here we go all right now we have a a guest joining us he has been all over uh the coverage of the demar hamlin situation he is nfl network's cameron wolf joining us from uh well a car uh, near the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. Uh, Cam, welcome back to Around the NFL. How are you doing, buddy? It's been, I'm sure, a pretty hectic uh, 48 hours. Yeah, managing, man. Definitely been hectic, really 36 hours of nonstop uh, attention on DeMar Hamlin's health and where his recovery is. So just trying to uh, do our best job, me and my producer, Laura Chapnick, trying to figure out how we can tell this story and uh, give everybody the updates they need. Yeah, it, you've done an amazing job. I've seen how hard you've been working, just kind of where we stand now. And we're talking uh, right after noon East Coast time uh, on Wednesday. Just give us kind of an update of uh, how DeMar Hamlin's doing the, the most that you know at, at this hour. Yeah, we're here outside the hospital where we're really getting an hour-to-hour uh, update on how DeMar Hamlin's doing. It's really small updates, but as we know, we're trying to get any context on how he's doing. And so the most recent one 
is uh, Wednesday morning spoke with his family spokesperson, uh, Jordan Rooney, who told us essentially that things are moving in a positive direction. And that's the quote that I think sums up really the last uh, 12 hours of DeMar Hamlin's uh, process, a small step, but a stop, step nonetheless. And he remains in critical condition. He is sedated. Um, he remains in the ICU, the intensive care unit, um, but he has received an improvement in his breathing in particular um, with how he's working through the ventilator. And so when I say that he was using like 100% of the ventilator to breathe for him when he first arrived, now it's 50%. And so he's starting to breathe a little bit more by on his own, but they still want to continue to have him progress um, to where he can fully breathe on his own. And so that's what they're watching now. They're watching his lungs and trying to get those recovered um, and reaching out to the hospital. They have no information right now they're able to share, but you know we're keeping in touch with them to see um, where they are. And so just reaching out to his family, reaching out to um, the hospital. And right now we're all in a waiting game to get what we hope is eventually that good news that his status gets upgraded. Yeah, and it's, you know, obviously extremely fortunate as you've learned more about the story and how the mechanisms of the NFL machine works in terms of how they handle an emergency incident. Jordan Rodriguez, The Athletic, wrote a good piece outlining how it works. The fact that University of Cincinnati is a level one trauma center, which it appears like he is getting um, the the best type of medical attention uh, he could get right now. What is the scene in or around uh, the hospital itself or the medical center? Um, I imagine obviously a strong media presence, but do you have a lot of uh, uh, just onlookers or people you know, camped out front? Like, what is the vibe there? Yeah, probably about 30 to 40 media cameras at the peak at times. And you have people driving around who obviously look at us doing TV and uh, wondering what's going on and other people who stop by and say, hey, we're praying for them. Um, you know, they know what the, what the story is. Half of the city, the west side of the city was lit up blue um, last night for DeMar Hamlin. And, you know, there was a visual out here right on the corner of the hospital about a block down with about 40 to 50 people uh, at 8.55 p.m. And about an hour, that was literally a day, 24 hours after, um, you know, DeMar Hamlin suffered the cardiac arrest on that Monday night football game. And so players, you know, the, the fans there essentially were were saying they wanted to support DeMar, pray for him. They were giving motivational messages. They were uh, singing Amazing Grace. And the family, um, you know, saw all the support they they got, whether it be the fans outside of the building, whether it be the coaches and players and GMs who have constantly uh, given them support. I know talking with his uncle, he mentioned just how powerful it was for a fam- for the family to see the entire Bills team around him showing emotion, seeing that, because, you know, we know the NFL is a game, but, and and some people know it's a brotherhood, but you don't usually get to see that element of it. You know, the true love and care that these people have uh, for their brother. And so um, the family definitely appreciates and feels the support. And right now they're encouraged, um, but it's still very much a waiting game. Yeah. I, I heard your report this morning um, and your, your interview with the, with his his friend Jordan saying, you know, that the one thing they didn't want was anyone throwing any negativity uh, T Higgins way because they, they said that was a, a normal football play. And they, they actually have a, a background with T Higgins going going back uh, way back. And I, I guess I'm curious along that lines, like, have you we heard initially that some Bills players were staying back in Cincinnati 
Um, do you know if, if, if some are still there? Have you seen players around? And then just because, you know, I've been watching you on TV and the, those have to be short parts. If, if you have anything just on what your last 36 hours, what you, what you've seen going back to, to Monday night at the stadium or, or any, anything else in terms of, uh, things that you've been able to see and, and what that experience has been like from, from the player's point of view, uh, and everything that's happened. Yeah, Greg, first I'll start with T. Higgins because I think it was good for the family to come out and express uh, their feelings there. That was something that was uh, really uh, the family initiated. They wanted to make clear that um, they wanted to stop the criticism for T. Higgins to stop and that it was not his fault. And I think that's important because I I was leaving um, the stadium on Monday and I saw T. Higgins with his mom who had her arm wrapped around him and he was emotional. And so naturally, whether it's right or wrong, if you're involved in a play that has a, a player injured, you're going to blame yourself. And it, it appeared that T was having some emotional periods there. And so we've heard some some wild comments on, on, on places about T and just kind of how uh, he is at that point. And I think the family wanted to be clear that they did not, they did not support any criticism for him. And so the Bengals return to work uh, today and they'll go through their walkthrough as referring to Wednesday afternoon. And eventually we'll hear from T, uh, but right now they are dealing with the emotional trauma, just like many of us are, like the Bills are, trying to continue their week. And so that that's what I want to say in that respect. And in regards to really the last 36 hours, it's been a heavy story, just being real, like a lot of uh, – our jobs as reporters is to remove our emotions and tell the story and give people the updates um, that they need to hear. Um, but you just kind of see how it impacts everyone. I've seen some of the Bills players' faces and and their reactions. I've seen the Bengals' reactions. I've seen fans here. Um, and you see some of the family members that I've met over the last, you know, 12, 18 hours in regards to his uncle and, and the family friend who's a spokesperson. Those people are, are trying to uh, give you clear answers, but you can tell that this is not easy. And so that's the biggest thing that I, I think um, I may not have, you know, been able to share fully on NFL Network because you're trying to tell the facts is that the emotions um, of this thing are, are hard to, to manage. And so, um, you know, just kind of going through this process, I think it's, it's really showed me the humanity of people. Um, you know it, but just kind of see the support, you know, GoFundMe page has over $6 million that he's received really over the last 24 hours of people that don't know this man for the most part. Um, you have uh, people who come up and strangers, as the family told me, who paid for food for them every day since they've been here. Uh, Jeff Ruby's, which is a steakhouse out here in Cincinnati, is catering the family dinner, um, you know, uh, tonight. And I know because I went to Jeff Ruby's last night. Jeff Ruby's is expensive. And so they are, uh, they are definitely um, showing um, as much love and support. And I think everybody badly across the NFL and across America, and particularly here in Cincinnati, are just waiting for that positive news that, that DeMar Hamlin is okay. Yeah, that's really uh, well said, Cam. And I, I think a, a story that's this big um, – you know, there's always going to be some darkness in it, whether it's people with their phony GoFundMe or somebody that might be coming after T. Higgins on social media. All that's absurd. And I like that the family, their use of the word frustrated that anybody would even think to do that. But I think like what's really come out in these situations is like the humanity and the love and just the public yes. outpouring of the support that you're talking about there, which has been kind of uh, 
I don't know. It's in a really trying time uh, from a human standpoint. It kind of lifts your spirits to see um, Cincinnati lit up in blue on a Monday night game that started with the Bills as the enemy and this idea that the AFC could come down to this game. The fact that that all kind of just disappeared and it became about this one player um, and and this one person who is in this fight for his life. It's it's been jarring. I know I Cam. I know you have a different background than Greg and I in terms of your media training and journalism path. Uh, but it is jarring uh, when we, we like for me, for instance, I got into sports because like that was where I felt comfortable and and what was I wanted to do something fun in my life for a career path. And then something like this comes along and it's like the real world intercepts and yeah. it, it does feel it could be jarring. And I just want to thank you and, and everyone that's been covering the story uh, for handling it because it can't be easy. No, I appreciate you saying that. It, it's not, but I think, you know, we've got to tell the story right. You know, I think our job as journalists are always being storytellers, no matter if the story is what we love to cover, which was a 38-35 Joe Burrow, jo- Josh mm-hmm. Allen game, which I went there Monday hoping to see, to a player fighting for his life. I think regardless, um, we're here on the ground to tell whatever the story is. And for for this weekend, it, it happened to be the scariest story we've had all year in, in quite some time in the NFL. And so um, – you know, I, I think that we have to process that this is a game we love, but there's also risks and dangers that come with it. And this is one of it. And so I think that, you know, the whole league, I've received so many text messages and calls from people who are not related to the Bills, the Bengals or DeMar just checking in. And so the whole league is literally um, watching this situation and really caring for, for this man. Um, and I, I just think that that's one thing that um, has been a positive through the light. You know, the uncle mentioned this to me as well. It's just, you know, you're seeing just how much the NFL is a community. And, you know, it's not just Bills fans. It's not just DeMar Hamlin fans. It's everyone. And um, I think that, you know, as we move forward through this process, I think DeMar, and this is something that the family has really wanted to, sh- wanted to express, is that DeMar, when he hopefully wakes up and, and it's back to a point where he can understand what's going on, will we'll be overwhelmed with just the support that he's received um, throughout. And I think his uncle had a great quote to me. He said, a lot of times we don't get to see how, people, how much people love us when we're still alive. And now DeMar has a chance to fight through this and get a chance to see just how much from people he may have known that loved him and people he may not have known at all. And, um, you know, sometimes we wish it didn't take this, but it also, you know, is a, a, um, a reminder of just how much instances can impact people. And so, you know, you mentioned just sort of the city. I, I was in an Uber last night and I was talking on the phone with someone and the Uber driver said, man, I've been praying for that kid for three hours. And uh, it just hit me. I'm like, man, um, hmm. this story has really touched everyone. So, yeah. Appreciate you. Uh cam the the last thing and if you got to go just let us know and um i just want to i guess because i've learned about demar hamlin a little bit you know over the last two days it wasn't you know i wasn't familiar with his story and just like before we let you go i guess just curious of anything you learned about demar hamlin what what you knew about him before even uh you know as a player as as a man and everything before this is getting to know who he is a little bit no, that's a great question. I was talking to a buddy about this. DeMar Hamlin has been the starting safety for the number one team in the AFC for most of the year. And I'd say probably 99% of, 
a football didn't know who his name was before this week. And so um, that's the reality of like so many players in this league. Um, but I guarantee you that more people know his name and his story now than than had ever had. And so, you know, I was learning about DeMar throughout this process. So I've really just learned how much he is a family loving person. Um, you know, he has a loving set of parents who, who are super supportive of him, super strong. He has a little brother, seven-year-old Demir, who is really his world. Uh, he's his role model there. And it really hit me when I was talking to his uncle that his little brother, Demir, who's seven, was watching this game in Pittsburgh with the family. Mm. And he was the first one, the little brother, to see his big brother hurt on the field. And he started crying. Mm. And then the uncle started to uh, console and they started to console each other essentially. And they, that's when they decided to pack up the two cars after the game was canceled and drive up to the uh, hospital where they've been since. And so I've learned just how much the family has impacted him. Um, but then also just how he loves to give back, you know, um, you know, he goes to peewee games in random cities just to go hang with kids. You know, that's, that's his, his love that he likes to do in the off season. He's a guy who um, we know about his toy drive. He has had a mission to give back to his communities, and now he has a chance to do so with over $6 million um, of money, you know, to help him medically, but also to help people there. Um, you know, you've learned just how much um, he's a fun-loving dude. You know, I've talked to a couple of players and coaches who the first thing they mentioned to me about DeMar is, man, every time I see DeMar, I laugh. He makes people <laughs> laugh. Like, And he's like, you know, you hear that. And you're like, ah, oh, whatever. He was like, no, man. I could tell you some of the jokes Demar told me, whether whether uh, whether they're they're good to share or not. And I'm like, Demar <laughs> would make you laugh, even if you were the first uh, first time you met him. And so, I, you know, these are some of the things that I've learned about him as a person. And just being real, I've never met Demar Hamlin before, like mm-hmm. in a one-on-one setting. And I've spent the last 36 hours sharing your story, and I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I was just telling my producer. Um, two moments I can't wait for is the moment that, um, you know, I get to meet DeMar for the first time and, and, and talk with him hopefully, and be able to, uh, you know, get insight on how he's reacting to everybody else's spirit. And then that moment where DeMar joins his team again, whether as a player, or even if he's just at the stadium, um, soaking it in and just kind of seeing that emotion, um, that I'm sure Bills fans, Bills players, and Bills coaches will have surrounding him. Um, those are the moments we have to look forward to. As of now, we don't have any set timetable on when we'll get those moments. Um, but I choose to, as we continue to work those stories, think about those moments um, as we, you know, wait for more and more information. Absolutely, Cam. That's a great way to put it, and uh, we look forward uh, to that situation unfolding as well. And I did. You mentioned the family. Um, and the nephew, when he found out, there was just something that uh, kind of hit me uh, emotionally when it comes to family that they got in the car. They drive 300 miles through what felt like a hurricane, according to the yeah, uncle, to, like get, yeah. Yeah, to get to uh, their guy and be there to support him. Uh, Cam, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Follow Cam on NFL Network, on Twitter, at Cameron Wolf, and keep, uh, keep up the good work. And I uh, hope you get some rest down the line when we get good news on what's happening inside that building. Thank you. Appreciate you, fellas. Thanks, Cam. There he goes, Cameron Wolf. And uh, that was great. It was great to hear from Cam. And like, Greg, you know, before we say goodbye, um, it is, again, like a very human story. And even 
um, a colleague like him, like camped out there. You could see how this story has affected him uh, on a personal level, especially the more you learn about uh, Demar Hamlin and who the who this guy is. So uh, just hearing uh, from Cam, I, I could tell that this isn't just a, a typical story for him to cover. Yeah, I think everyone like wants to do something, and you know, one of the things he did there, which I think is good to do, is put put that pot you know you put that positive energy out into the world but on a more practical level he's doing something in in reporting and so yeah compartmentalizing that while while also being a human uh he's one of our best so um i'm not surprised he's he's doing it and that's like we'll be watching him you know like him and, and and ben baby's been doing a good job over at espn everyone reporting the story like We'll be watching them, hoping, hoping for the good news as soon as we can. For sure. Um, okay, so we'll reset here. Obviously, from and around the NFL standpoint, um, like everyone else, we'll be tracking the story as it goes along and, and get um, back uh, with updates uh, when when they come. We have, of course, like kind of spinning forward because the NFL, and that's a whole other story around this, like what happens next for the NFL uh, but as of right now, week 18 is on a scheduled and you'll hear from us again um, on Thursday. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll take a look back at what's going on in the NFL. But obviously, this everything kind of is taking a backseat right now to what's happening around the Bills and DeMar Hamlin and um, uh, what's the next step for him. So for Mark Sessler uh, and Greggy and Gravedigger behind the virtual glass. Uh, We will uh, be back in touch with you guys soon. Until then, heed the call.